Welcome to Healthcare Hacks and Connections Podcast. Here you will learn all things podcasting, acquiring amazing tips and tricks required to transform your podcast into an essential tool to grow your business. On this show, we will bring in expert guests from across the healthcare spectrum. They will share their personal stories, discuss their struggles, and give real examples of how a podcast helped to grow their business. Now let's head into this week's episode. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. So today I have a guest with us. She has been a dietitian for 14 years in aged care, and she has had, has or have your own private practice? I've. Okay, you have your own private practice. And I don't know how to say that. Bariatric surgery and diabetes is your specialty? That's right, yes. Okay, got it. Um. She is the ambitious dietitian, Brianna. So I want to welcome Brianna to the podcast today. Welcome, Brianna. Thanks so much for having me today. Thank you for coming on. So for the listeners that don't know a little, uh, that don't know of your story, can you just give me a brief introduction to yourself? Yeah, of course. So have been a dietitian for, you know, what I think is a long time at this point. I started off in aged care, traveling all over the state. Um, I got up early. I got home late. I did a heap of kilometers in my car and I never saw my partner at that point. So a job opportunity came up after 18 months to move into state and work in the public system. So we took that and moved. We moved nine hours away from home and I spent seven years there so working in a community setting for the diabetes service so really enjoyed my time there I've never been a hospital dietitian I never want to be a hospital dietitian and I was lucky enough to have that community role where I saw people who literally walked into the room because they wanted to be there and that was their choice now ready to make changes. We then decided we'd have a sea change. So my brother lived another state away, another 12 hours away, and my mum had been begging me to move up there. And if I did, she would. I said, yeah, sure, you know, after years and years of her harping me. So we made the sea change. I said, as long as I'll move up, as long as you look after my kids. At that point in time, I had two. She said, sure. So she went into early retirement. We moved up here um, and I fell pregnant with twins. And she said, well, that wasn't part of the deal. So I said, well, I can't put one back. So what do you want me to do? So she's been chief babysitter for the last four years while I have combined a role as a senior dietitian in a bariatric practice, as well as starting my own private practice, seeing patients within doctor surgeries primarily. And amongst all of that, in that time, I started The Ambitious Dietitian. And that was kind of in conjunction with my husband, Daniel, who's a web developer, because as a part of a recruitment process for what recruiting to a new grad position in my bariatric job, I was listening to dietitians who just were, you know, two years post-graduation but still applying for new grad jobs, and their primary source of income was the job they'd been working in at uni. So they were doing retail, hospitality, cleaning jobs, late nights, um, things like that. And I come home and I said, why are these dietitians doing something that they really do love? I guarantee you, they didn't do a four, five, six year degree to continue working in retail and hospitality. So why aren't they using their skills? Because they have so many more skills to leverage from than what 
they believe they have. So from those conversations, basically, that's how we started the Ambitious Dietitian because we wanted to support dietitians in those early stages of their career to do something they were passionate about rather than waiting for the new grad job at the biggest hospital in their state that they were competing against you know, hundreds of applications for. And kind of that's where, where we are at now, still supporting dietitians who are, who are choosing private practice and choosing business as their path forward. I, I, lo- I love that. Um, and especially because you're saying is you don't need, I don't know if you're saying this in, in directly or indirectly, is you don't need permission to like start a business and stuff like that at, right out of uh, finishing your dietitian degrees and things like that. Is that correct? Yeah, like it's definitely an option for people. And I want dietitians to be pursuing mm-hmm. things that they are passionate about. And if you've gone to uni and you've studied for four, five or six years, I know that you're passionate about being a dietitian. So step into it. That's awesome. So for those people who are kind of afraid of stepping into it, like how, how should they even just start? I think it's really daunting for people who want to do it. We just need to approach it systematically. So one step at a time. Some of the characteristics that I've picked up along the way of people who I believe to be successful are having really good organizational and time management skills, being disciplined and willing to work long hours because you do need to put the hours in to start off with, being prepared to take risks and live with a degree of uncertainty. Things can go up and down and you kind of got to ride the wave when you're in business. Have the ability to make really quick decisions and seize opportunities as they come. And having some kind of drive and energy, so being really highly motivated. So if you think that they are some of the qualities that you have as a dietitian and you really want to get up and running with your business, you can do so at a really minimal cost. Like the, the big things that you've got to pay for are insurance, so personal indemnity and public liability. Um, registration to be a dietitian, so over here in Australia, that's Dietitian Association of Australia, and then register your business through your local agency. So over here in Australia, it's ASIC. So you just need to make sure that your business is registered. Mm-hmm. What else do you actually need? You need to have that vision. You've got to know ultimately what it is you're trying to achieve in your business. You know, and the things I'm going to go through now, they don't cost anything. It's the time. You need to have that time to invest into starting your business because you can start it on a shoestring budget. Creating a business plan. There's a heap of templates on Google. Just mm-hmm. map out where you're going and what that looks like in the most basic form. You know, I've had a coach before who literally has done a business map plan on a serviette. Like, it doesn't need to be complex. Yeah. Understand what your offering is. So what is it that you're actually going to be selling? Is it one-on-one? Is it one-off one-on-one appointments? Is it packages? Is it programs? Is it courses? Is it digital products? Is it memberships? Is it a service or a product? Mm -hmm. Do your due diligence to find that out. Register your domain name. Even if you're not ready to get set up with a website, make sure you've got a domain name that matches your business name. Secure that for yourself. Mm-hmm. You don't need hosting at this point. Just get the domain name. Just Over in, in case. Australia, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Over in Australia, we need to apply for an ABN. So that's Australian business number for tax purposes. Mm. Choose it, how, yeah. I was just going to add that in the, in the US, it's EIN. So. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, 
choose how you're going to record your finances. There's a heap of really simplified ways to do this. And I know people that do it on an, uh, an Excel spreadsheet. Wave apps tends to be a really good program that I've used and recommend quite a bit that is very low cost. Personally, I use Zero, which is getting up there in terms of the cost, but you know its functions far outweigh some of the other cheaper ones. Open up a bank account and link that to whatever program you're using to make your life easy, automate things, systemize things where you can. Keep all of your business expenses and income in one account so you're making your life easier for yourself. Mm-hmm. Put together some marketing material. So if you're going to be promoting yourself business to business relationships, what kind of materials do you need? So typically for GPs, if we're looking at going into, typically for dietitians, if we're looking at going into medical providers, you know, we want, they want to know who you are, what you offer, how they can refer to you and what's in it for their patients. So how can you put that together in a really nice, succinct way for them? And then, so how would you say like, you can stand out to those GPs? I generally suggest offering value. So it's no different to any other marketing strategy or tactic that you're using. So instead of going in and it being all about you and how you want them to refer to you, how about offering to go and speak at their next team meeting on some latest research in an area that you're really passionate about that you want to be receiving referrals for. So, you know, for me as bariatrics, there's some new medical weight loss therapies on the market that are gaining more and more traction here at the moment. So as an example, I could go in and speak at the team meeting and say, hey, I just want to, you know, provide you my opinion or talk to you about how I would work with patients who are prescribed X, Y, Z. So then they've got a bit more of a relate, uh, an understanding of the relationship that you would have and how that that um, relationship would work together. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I definitely uh, like that. And then, you know, it's that boots on the ground, knocking on the door. Hey, this is who I am. This is what I have to offer. And, you know, I'm in your local area. You don't have to go refer out to somewhere in another city. I'm like, I'm right here. I'm right, right next door, you know? But even with COVID and the pandemic and everyone's gone online, there's nothing stopping you Mm -hmm. from connecting. Like as a bariatric dietitian, I I actually work for a bariatric surgeon that's two states away. They're like a 14 hour drive away. Their patients don't know that I'm not sitting in their office. Mm -hmm. So, you know, location doesn't need to be a barrier for you either. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I I think a lot of us that are just starting businesses, we create these barriers for ourselves and we we're like, but you know this, so location, meaning like, oh, it's, it's farther away, but it's like with COVID, it's taught us that that isn't a barrier anymore. Not whatsoever. You know, I'm probably an anomaly because I actually really enjoy seeing people face to face. And that's something that I did <laughs> learn in COVID. Yeah. And so at the end of last year, I'm like, I actually just really miss seeing people. So I went and got an opportunity. I sought out an opportunity to work with um, a couple of doctors in their surgery practice. Um, And I only do four hours a week. But I'm like, I I just need that to fill up my bucket to see people in person again, Mm -hmm. because that's what I really love. But, you know, everybody's different. Yeah, just seeing that human interaction and the the help that you are giving someone 
you can see it on Zoom and, and, you know, telehealth and stuff like that, but actually hearing them, seeing them in good health, I think that's, it's a big way to fill your own cup in a way. Yeah, exactly. It's just a different form of relationship you're building when someone's sitting in front of you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people, you can't really take things out of context now and, and things like that. And, it, and it's a, easier way to build a relationship that will particularly when you're working with someone therapeutically yeah exactly so a couple of other things that essentially you need to get started is to understand how you're going to receive payments so if someone wants to pay you mm-hmm. how are you going to walk them through that process yep okay i really like stripe as a payment gateway a lot of the software programs around that people can write their notes and do appointments and things like that. The EMR systems have inbuilt payment functions. Mm -hmm. So at a minimum, understand how people are going to pay you, how people are going to make an appointment with you. What is that patient journey for them? Mm -hmm. So that brings me to choose the point of choose what program or software you're going to use for bookings and reminders and note taking and all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And here in Australia, we're lucky to have some very low-cost ones. And I know that you can have minimum patience for some of the American programs for free. Mm-hmm. You know, the most common ones that I would see people use would be uh, practice better, healthy, and simply practice. So you know, right. there's certainly programs out there. Are those EMRs? Yep. Oh, okay. That was going to be my next question of like, is there any EMRs that you actually recommend? Two people, but okay. More often than not, people would start with practice better. It tends to be the least complicated one. I think you get the first couple of patients for free before you actually have to start paying that subscription. That's good. It's good. It's a good way to get you started and get you get you on your feet. And then they got you reeled in already. So then <laughs> you can always change platforms as your business grows, but mm-hmm. start somewhere low cost so that money isn't a barrier for you getting started. Mm-hmm. So you brought up something earlier about time management. Is there any time management tips that you do have for, for anyone that is starting out? Because I know me, myself, when I, I was starting out with my business, um, time is very, very valuable. And sometimes you can give it away really quick. <laughs> and often people are starting these side hustle businesses whilst they're working in another position. So they don't have the luxury of time. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a big list maker. So I like to be able to kind of clear my head by jotting down everything that I do want to do. And then I've got a full focus planner, which I use to break them down into smaller tasks. So okay. I write down my big list on Trello. So Trello is a bit of an organization system for me as well, which I use. And then I, (laughs) that sounds a little bit of a duplication, but then I have a a diary and I always pick a one page per day diary. Uh So the night before I go to bed, I write down what I want to achieve for the next day. And then I kind of cross them out Mm -hmm. as I do them. It helps you to prioritize those tasks that are really important, that have deadlines that you do need to get done. And I think it helps you to really understand from that really big list, what are actually the tasks that are going to move my business forward? What are the income producing tasks that I need to be focusing on? Mm -hmm. 
which usually those income tasks are, are around marketing and sales, right? Yep, exactly. Yeah. And then you brought up uh, finances. So do you have a certain way that you pay yourself out? Pay yourself. <laughs> I've actually been listening to the Profit First um, a podcast lately. So looking at moving towards that kind of a, a system. Yeah. I do have an accountant and I work quite closely with her. Mm-hmm. And we have a heap of spreadsheets and documents and everything like that. So Mm -hmm. she helps me to manage that. We have, you know, the tax going into a certain account. We have Mm -hmm. income and then we've had expenses. So, you know, we're starting to separate all of those buckets out and, you know, that helps us at the end of the financial year. Perfect. So you have about six months of um, expenses saved then, I'm guessing, because profit first, I'm, pretty sure he teaches that. And <laughs> I'm not quite there yet. Okay. Um, and that's, that's purely because I actually underwent a really big change in my life last year. So okay. I had been in a bariatric clinic for five years and I stepped away from that job. Uh-huh. So just from complete burnout, yeah, we were seeing anywhere between kind of 23 to 30 plus patients a day. <laughs> so after five years it gets a little bit much so yeah. I actually just walked away from everything and I took nearly six months off all of my clinical stuff last year you were able to do that because you had that safety yeah yeah so we were looking at ambitious dietitian and the growth that it had had uh. and it was able to support us see there you go and, and <laughs> that, that's why you have that little cushion so you're able to do that because I was in a similar situation with like yours where we were seeing 20 to 30 people a day in the physical therapy clinic. I was a, a head aide, but still like PT wasn't going to see all those people, <laughs> you yeah. know, most of the time they spent the time with, with us anyways, but I started to get burnt out. My staff was starting to get burnt out and it was starting to eat at everybody during COVID too, to where I was, I was looking at that reserves that I had. I was like, okay, this podcast stuff is really starting to go. You know, I'm going to, um, well, first I was like, ask for a raise. Didn't get it. Right. (laughs) But but I I got my raise. I was the highest paid clinician then. And then I still wasn't happy. I'm like, I, I came home and I said to my mom or my husband, I'm like, I realize now it actually wasn't more money that I wanted. I just wanted a different job. <laughs> a different job, yeah. time freedom, you know, yeah. I feel like the I flexibility. Yeah, yeah, on your terms too, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. I was, I was traveling an hour to and from work, you know, and oh. I had to that since I, you know, I had four kids under five years old. And I'm like, that is six hours of my week that I don't get to spend with them. That's like a whole day that I could spend working on the ambitious dietitian that could be income producing for me. Yeah. So I actually did, uh, I, I might be wrong. I might be wrong, but so uh, I think it's 20 years. So if you do that for 20 years, eight of those, I think it was like eight or four might've been four, four years of, of your time is driving. I was like, that is a crazy statistic yeah. to be like, 
the one thing that I miss is that's when I used to listen to all my podcasts. <laughs> yeah. And and now I walk with friends and I I don't want to put headphones in while walking with friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, I really struggle to listen to my podcast. And, and that's one thing that I miss. So maybe this one tip I can give you for that is I really, when I'm trying to learn, so podcast is really like learning. I set a time, my Fridays, my Fridays are my learning days. So tomorrow is I'm going to dive into a course. I'm going to dive into podcasts that I'm listening to that I'm trying to learn from. Right now, I'm trying to learn a lot of the culture and leadership stuff because I have a staff under me in my podcast production business. And I'm really trying to figure out is, you know, like how to lead them, but we're all pretty much remote because of COVID and stuff, but to really lead them and show that I care about them and share wins with them and stuff like that. So I'm going through, um, what podcast is that? Um, it's Alex Sharfin. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but he's a guy about building like uh, teams and stuff like that. Sounds good. Yeah. That's one of my favorites right now. Do you have any that you're listening to? Uh, Denise Duffield Thomas on Money Mindset. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so she's an Australian money mindset coach over here. Nice. Nice. Any quick tips that she's kind of given that you're like, yes, this is like a really good one? <laughs> oh, there's so many. There's so many. Okay. Uh, I think the biggest one that would resonate with health professionals is charge your You know, don't, don't be afraid to actually ask to be paid for the expertise. You get paid for your expertise and your knowledge, not the time Mm -hmm. that you spend. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think it's so hard for people to charge their worth. And I don't know why it's like, because what I've experienced, I don't know about you, is like, once you charge your worth, then you're like, oh my God, I can't even believe they accepted that. And then you you go even higher. Like, like I've doubled my prices and people are accepting it now like like that. Yeah, your confidence certainly grows once you've got that first breakthrough. Mm-hmm. And it's onwards and upwards from there. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about marketing tactics that are not social media. So Yeah. So I think a lot of attention has been given to social media as the be all and end all of how to get online clients through your business. Mm-hmm. And yes, I believe it has its place in your business. I don't believe that it is the one thing that's going to fill your books like that. Um, I think a lot of people may find out from you in other places of their life, but they may potentially then come on to stalk you um, within social media. So... You know, I really like getting my clients to set up a Google My Business account. So that's one of the things that you can do. Obviously, having a website is a priority for your business because every business needs a a website regardless of what you sell, if you sell something online or not. So if you're a product or a service business. And it's really your office. It's your chance to set a good first impression. How your website looks and feels is going to help set up the expectation of the service that they're going to receive from you. And so if you want to charge premium prices, you need to be putting a premium brand forward. SEO, so I haven't dabbled into this too much. Mm -hmm. Um, It's something that I will be focusing on this year. Nice. 
we've just relaunched a new website at the end of last year. So we're starting from zero again with that. But basically, it's a collection of tactics that work together to help make a better experience with Google's algorithm so that your website is shown in searches. Website content, um, so for example, blogs, recipes, um, things like that. So the free information that you're sharing to help build your profile and brand awareness as the expert and building that like no trust relationship. It's going to help you to rank higher with your SEO, but also with that relationship building. Mm-hmm. Emails and newsletters are a really good form of relationship building as well. I get all of my clients to set up their first lead magnet, get it on their website and start um, some welcome sequences and then moving into nurture emails. Some of the platforms that we use are MailChimp, MailerLite and ConvertKit and they all have really useful forums to help support people get set up. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for inspiration on welcome sequences, drip scripts tend to have quite a few templates that you can modify for people who are just starting out as well. The thing with having your own email platform is that if social media closed down tomorrow, you would have your audience on your platform. So no one can take that away from you, unlike um you know, having your audience on other people's platforms, you know, your website and your email list, they are yours. Yeah, exactly. And you know, that happened this past year where uh, Facebook, Instagram, all of it went down for about a day and a half and people went crazy. People didn't know what to do, you know? <laughs> and look, I had a dietitian last year who lost access to her Instagram account for about a month. She went oh. backwards and forwards with them for ages trying to get it sorted. And she goes, I actually really enjoyed the time that I didn't have to be on social media. And mm-hmm. when she looked at where all of her referral sources were coming from, about 30 to 40% of them were coming from social media. So she still knew that she had at least 50% of clients coming in that were not relying on that social media connection that she'd created. Yeah. So you know, diversify those lead gen options that you have. Definitely. Referral networks. So looking at who else in a health professional space do your clients see and how can you be connecting with them? So who else has your audience but offers a different service to you? So if you're a dietitian, you don't really want to be creating a referral network with someone else So if you're a bariatric dietitian, you don't want to create a referral network with someone else who is also a bariatric dietitian. But you might find a bariatric nurse or an endocrinologist or a bariatric surgeon or a GP or a psychologist or a physiotherapist or an exercise physiologist who is working with these clients, but they're not in competition with you about helping that client. And so in the digital space, what we can do are things like IGTVs, Facebook Lives, takeovers, social media takeovers for the weekend, Q&A sessions, webinars. There's so many different options for you on social media to collaborate and gain exposure from somebody else's audience to help grow yours. Yeah, and I think that's a big one. Uh, I mean, even in the podcast space, that's what a lot of us do is we'll, we'll trade interviews. Um, because we know like you have our audience, same thing. So it's like, 
And, you know, I think it's abundance theory is we're not afraid of like, you might have someone that, that buys from you that didn't buy from me, but it's because of that abundance theory. But it's also that there's only 24 hours in a day. I can't serve everyone. <laughs> Eight of those hours, I need to sleep. <laughs> yeah, totally. And, you know, that also brings up the point of podcasting and public speaking is a really great opportunity for you to come in and talk about your area of expertise. You know, similar to press releases, you find an angle and you share that with your audience. Mm-hmm. And then the only other one that I have is local branding. So that's, you know, that physical stuff that you can see. So leaving flyers at other businesses, putting up, you know, business cards around the place, sponsoring local events. I've got a dietitian who helps athletes in strongman events and she's partnered with a gym but she actually sponsors their events and so she flies up to Mackay and she um, has her banners there and she sponsors it and her husband's the MC for the event and she walks around with these little bags that have got food and snacks in them for everyone and then a card right or some type of pamphlet yep yep so she's right there at the event sponsoring it yeah Local meetup groups are a good option. And then you've got print articles as well. How do you, so have you gotten in like a newspaper or a, like a news outlet? Like, have you done that? I haven't myself because I, I put more of my time and expenditure into the ambitious dietitian. My private practice is to just keep me within my clinical space. As I said, it's only four hours a week. I do it in school hours. I pick, drop the kids off, pick them up at the end of school, do a couple of hours in between so that I've still got my finger in the pie being a dietitian. So if I want, if I wanted to expand it further out, certainly it's something I would explore. Mm -hmm. And I I have had dietitians that have written for articles. I've got a, a dietitian over in Canada who writes for Spoonful. So she's an IBS dietitian. She writes articles for magazines who are in that space, basically. Got it. Yeah, on IBS. And she's also published a book herself. There you go. Yeah. So there's certainly a lot of dietitians out there in the media. Nice. Is there anything... Let's see. So if someone was going to almost say they say they were going to pivot to start their own business. Well, I mean, we kind of already touched on it is like, get your, get your EIN, get your, I think you called it an ATN. ABN. 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 So those are tips for that to get that started. And you said domain, uh, just to reserve the domain. You don't need to have a website right away, but down the line, you should probably start one just to build that SEO, like you were saying, with like the blogs and yep. news articles. Is there anything that you ha- you would say like a tip for creation of a lead magnet? Because we touched on email lists, but we never really touched on possibly like a, like a something easy for a dietitian to be like, hey, how to get someone in my world with the, the email. So... Uh, the first thing that you need to understand is what are you going to choose your topic on? So it needs to relate to your audience. And what I usually get my clients to answer is, what's the one thing that your client is Googling the most? Mm. 
So whatever they are Googling the most is what you need to be producing your lead magnet on. Now, what format that is is completely up to you. So I always get people to start with some kind of written PDF form and then you can expand into challenges, webinars, that type of thing. But to get the basics down pat and then duplicating it and modifying it for different forms of lead magnets, start with a PDF. So a PDF might be a recipe collection. It might be a checklist. It might be a handbook. It might be a workbook, you know, reflective exercises. There are so many options out there. But yeah, decide on what your topic is, decide the format that it's going to be in, decide what email marketing program you're going to use, have a look at drip scripts for welcome sequence, inspiration, and then set it up. Perfect. I think I think you gave basically this whole episode is like the starter kit for a dietitian. Here you go. And go start <laughs> start your business. <laughs> Maybe that's what we, we title it, the starter kit for a dietitian. Um <laughs> Well, Brianna, I just want to thank you for coming on the podcast. So my listeners know that we're towards the end of the podcast now. So what I'm going to bring up is uh, pod decks, which is basically they're, they're cards that help us kind of dive a little more into you. And they're just random questions. So we'll start with, uh, we'll, we'll do three and then, and then uh, we'll kind of close it out here. No worries. Let's see here what we got. Okay. This one's interesting. If you were able to live to the age of 90 and retain either the mind or body of a 30-year-old for the last 60 years of your life, which would you choose? Oh, well, I always say to my husband, I'm living to 100, whether you are or not, I'm living to 100. And I definitely want my mind. (laughs) I think so too. I would definitely want my mind just to... Because I always hear that, you know... If I knew what I know now, uh, thing, you know, which I feel like everyone gets that you, you probably even have it now, right. With, with like, <laughs> you wish you started your business earlier. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. All right. Another one is what does friendship mean to you? Friendship means the people that are there through the good, the bad and the ugly. You know, you, you may not speak to them for a couple of months, but you'll still pick up exactly where you left off. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. And it's like, they're never gone, right? Exactly. Awesome. Okay. Last one here. If money wasn't an issue, what would you do with your time? (laughs) Work on the ambitious dietitian and play with my kids. There you go. And then how old are your kids? Uh, The twins are four and my middle one is six and my oldest one is nine. So So yeah, four. Oh, yeah, more family time with everybody. That's awesome. And no no dogs or pets or anything? Oh, uh, we've got a little white fluffy one that barks all day every day. <laughs> Whose choice was it to, to get the dog? <laughs> that was my husband. So we had the twins and they were not even one. We mm-hmm. went to the school holidays with the the two older girls to a butterfly enclosure and we were you know, having a look around that. And then we went to a market basically. And he's like, let's just go and have a look and see what's in here. So we did. And the girls are playing with this little puppy and whatever. And he disappeared and he comes back and he goes, put his head around the corner and he puts his thumbs up at me and he goes, it's ours. And I've just stood back and I'm like, I have four kids. I have twins and not even one. And you think that buying a dog's a good idea right now? Uh, 
<laughs> so yeah, not my idea at all. So he's the one that take care takes care of it. Then yeah, I'm guessing. Hundred percent. Like I've got my hands full with four kids. Like <laughs> I am not adding to this. So uh, you know, normally the kids get to one, and he goes, "Let's have another one," and he desperately wants five kids, and and so the twins got to one, and I'm like, "There's no more kids coming out of me." Yeah. So we got a talk instead. There you go. There, there's your fifth <laughs> child right there. <laughs> Specifically right. yours. Yep, exactly. All right. Well, Brianna, I just want to thank you for coming on to the podcast. For listeners that resonated with your message and they want to work with you, how can they do that? How can they reach out to you? So we're on Instagram um, at The Ambitious Dietitian. I have a Dietitian in Business Community Facebook group where we often do Facebook Lives with guest speakers. Mm -hmm. Um, And our website is www.theambitiousdietitian.com. Perfect. And then uh, I think you have a Flourish or Thrive. Is is that out yet? (laughs) So we have two different ways that people can work with us. Okay. Our Thrive program is our one-on-one six-month high touch point program. Mm. So I have four people on my team and the Thrive program is in combination with myself and Stacey, our social media educator. So over the six months, you have fortnightly appointments with either one of us. So it's quite a high touch point. Yeah. Um, and Flourish is our group program that we have running a couple of times a year. So our next intake for that will be in March. And that's really a program for people in those early phases to get a little bit of an understanding of all of the things that we need to do to get your business up and running and started. Perfect. Well, uh, and listeners will have the links for those in the show notes. So don't worry about it. Thank you again, Brianna, for coming on. Uh, I know you're in Australia, so we'll let you get, get to your day. And um, yeah, just thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. For the listeners, don't forget to rate, review, and follow the podcast for more episodes. Peace, guys. For more inspiring conversations like this one, I invite you to join my free Facebook group, Healthcare Hacks and Connections. Also, be sure to subscribe, rate, review on Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Lastly, be sure to follow our socials on Instagram, the podcast underscore doc and Nate Novice on Facebook. Thank you and have a great day.